Okay, so um, I am so pleased to welcome today to the 42nd episode of the John Riley Project, my guest today, Michael Galden. Michael, welcome. Pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. So um, I saw you for the first time. You were interviewed on KUSI, <laughs> and you were telling your story. You know, you're, a, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. You're a community activist. Yeah. You're a CEO of a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. But you grew up homeless, mm-hmm. and the, your story was just so intriguing. And, you know, my podcast is all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> and I was thinking... Michael Galden would be a perfect guest <laughs> on the John Riley Project. I'm so pleased that you were able to join us and 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 welcome, welcome here. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a beautiful drive. You have a great view here. <laughs> great studio. It's an honor to be here. Terrific. So, tell me a little bit about you know your story, your backstory, and and what's led up to um, this point today. Well, I'm a San Diego native. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in. To La Vista Hospital, I believe. I'm not sure. But grew up in San Diego, although I bounced around uh, from time to time of what I'd like to call my own personal underground railroad, right? Um, mm-hmm. I was homeless from about the ages of 7 to 17 in all capacities of, capacities of homelessness that you can imagine. I mean, from the street life to the shelter life to tents to couch surfing to just roaming around Greyhound stations. Um, it was really, really... Um, a terrible time of my life. Now that I look back, I learned a lot of lessons, but when you're going through it, you just hope to survive it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. So y- you were growing up here. This is all in San Diego? Well, um, mostly, I would say about 80% of my time on the streets was in San Diego, but my mother had to kind of... Well, people don't know is that cities try to ship you away, right? Oh, so yeah, they do. Yeah. If you want to get somewhere else, they'll give you a travel voucher to take a Greyhound and be someone else's homeless problem for a while. And so my mom was on the search for a new opportunity, or maybe she could go with family members or just make it work. And so we ended up everywhere, like Virginia about six times, uh, Oregon, Arkansas... Texas, Arizona, Utah, uh, for short periods of time, just trying to find opportunity. But ultimately, we kept coming back to San Diego. So I've been homeless pretty much throughout the United States. Uh, I can show you where all the shelters are. So that's interesting. So um, our community leaders weren't necessarily trying to solve the problem. They Mm -hmm. were just trying to ship you out of town. Yeah. uh, Well, you know... uh, yeah, it's a lot easier that way, right? Versus trying to figure out what to do with yeah. this homeless family. If you want to get here, we'll just ship you over there and reduce some of our numbers for sure. Well, that must have been really chaotic as a child. I mean, you you have friends, Absolutely. you know, you're trying to make friends, and then suddenly yeah. you're somewhere else. Yeah. To a, someplace you don't know, you don't know anybody. And my friends would say I was quantum leaping, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Right. When I'm a woman, I'd be here, you mm-hmm. know, and you could tell something was wrong, right? You wouldn't go out and just say it, but you know, I was a lot skinnier than the rest of the kids didn't really have any you know wore the same jeans same shirts but you wouldn't really speak on it but you knew something was wrong and then I would disappear for six months yeah. without, without a trace and then come back like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh-huh. you went to you went to school here in San Diego yeah so what are the elementary and high schools did you attend so I went to uh, King Elementary um I went to Baker Elementary. I went to, there was a school called Sojourner Truth at the time. I went there for middle school. I went to Roosevelt Middle School. I went to San Diego High School. I went to Monarch High School. Um, and I went to another high school in Virginia, some middle schools across yeah. the country. But so, majority of my school was in San Diego with um, lapses of 
of time. The the part I say about that is I was my academia had suffered because I traveled so much. Yeah, yeah. And so transcripts and credits doesn't always transfer over. Right. So I took chemistry and biology like three times, right? Ugh. So it, it, it was tough, but unfortunately, fortunately for me, I could take tests well. Well, yeah, you're a smart guy, you know, and yet it's been a great, a great part of your success is that you bet you are an intelligent young man and you've made yourself very successful, but it must have been tough. It must have been very, very difficult. It was tough having so many impeding forces against me. Uh, I spent a lot of time in libraries, right? You just don't have anywhere to go growing up as an adolescent, um, knee-deep in homelessness. There's just nowhere to go, and the library was kind of the safest spot for me. And so there I was introduced. My mother always read to me, but there I was able to grow and read a lot of literature, um, educate myself on kind of what's going on in my situation, because I was trying to figure out why was I where I was, if that makes sense. It's like I woke up and I was homeless and I was trying to figure out why. Well, I would imagine when you were really young, mm-hmm. you probably don't know any better. It's just your reality. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, but then a library probably provided for you kind of a safe place, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can relax, you could explore, you could learn. Yeah. And not feel that you were unsafe. Right, because what a lot of people don't correlate is that homelessness puts you on the streets, and I say this quite often, but the streets is where gangsters and thugs and criminals congregate, right? So if you're just put out there, you're going to inevitably run into these people, especially as a minority, right? So I'm walking around mentally, I don't feel like I'm a part of this, but physically I'm entrapped within this society where not only am I homeless and starving, but also my life is threatened just because I'm homeless and starving. Wow. Tell me a little bit more about your hunger. And mm-hmm. some of the things, because some people say they're hungry, but they're not hungry. <laughs> Tell me what you've experienced as a young child growing up with food. I've, I've started, it started off okay, right? Where you could, where you would be able to eat shelter food. But then in some of the shelters, they would get the last of the shelter food. or So it would be like food that was transported all across the city, and then you'll get the scraps. And that was the okay food. You do worse than that. There's no money, no EBT, no food stamps coming for food. There is nothing, right? So it's like you either have a few options. You can panhandle or you can steal food. And so for the one who has a moral compass, you can't really steal food, right? And so and if you can't panhandle, you really don't have anything to eat. And when I say that, I try to get people to understand what that means. It's like there is no refrigerator. There is no food storage. There is no money to buy food. So you're sitting there and your body is digesting itself over and over again. It's like a writhing pain yeah. twisting into your stomach like fire burning, fire that you constantly trying to quench with water or whatever you can find and as through time it just compounds and compounds till you cannot take it anymore and I've seen people really suffer because of this wow see from speaking for myself you know kind of you know I've experienced my own challenges as a youth nowhere near the level that you have at and sometimes it's hard to really understand that Mm -hmm. you know a lot of, for a lot of middle class folks, they don't understand the depth mm-hmm. of what homeless people really feel. Yeah. Now, in one of the interviews, you talked about doing your 
your biology homework underneath a streetlight. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Tell me about that. <laughs> it was hard. It was hard. And it wasn't just biology. Um, it was, you know, math, English, social sciences. Because I had nowhere else to do it. No time, no space. It needed to get done. All my life, they told me that there are no excuses. If you want to succeed, it doesn't matter that you're homeless. And I never thought that was fair. But that was the rules I had to play by. Yeah. And so I remember one time, I didn't have access. The libraries were closed. I think they were renovating downtown. Um, I didn't have no electricity um, and we were sleeping in the car and so I had to type up a two page essay and I'm like how am I supposed to do this <laughs> right. right and yeah. so I spent like forever weeks like trying to write it out or trying to figure it out because I couldn't access the school labs at um, San Diego High at the time as well San Diego High School of Business although I don't that might not exist anymore. They might have merged. But there was no way for me to feasibly do this. So I wrote, I wrote my essay. I researched it, annotated it. It, it, it was a essay I put my time in. Turned to the teacher. They balled it up in front of me, threw it in the trash. I wanted it typed, double-spaced, Times New Roman. And I got an F on that piece of paper. But and, did they know your life circumstances when yeah, they did that? Uh-huh. I've had talks with teachers because, well, sometimes sometimes you have – it's embarrassing uh, but sometimes you have to kind of reach out to teachers and kind of let them know yeah. I'm not being negligent or I'm not trying to fall asleep in class. This is my situation. But most of every, everyone doesn't really care about your situation. I say all the time, no one cared I was on the streets until I got off the streets, right? Because when I'm on the streets, like you alluded to earlier, there's a mass of homeless people, yeah. right? Yeah. Just one group, one cohort. You can't see the individuality amongst those People And so to be lost in that, you have to play by the same rules. And so, yeah, I told them my situation, but was there empathy? No. You know, it was apathy, you know. It was, yeah. No one really concer- was concerned about it, right? They didn't think I would persist anyway, if that makes sense. Well, you talked about that in some of your speeches where people said that there is no hope for you, mm-hmm. that you're going to end up you know, in any number of bad situations, you know, um, gangs, Mm -hmm. prison, you know, or worse, Mm -hmm. you know, how did you fight through that? How did you think to yourself, you know, I'm not going to fall in that trap. I'm better than that. Mm -hmm. How did you have the the fortitude to rise up? I had to fall first um, because I always hated being Counting out from the day I was born, I, that he just lost no hope, right? I mean, my father was incarcerated, 15 years to life sentence. His father was murdered in prison. His father was also murdered, you know, mm-hmm. my whole family on both sides, deep into drugs and criminality. So, you know, no, every, what was popularized was the bad things, right? And so you had to learn otherwise, right? And so when you're young and you're starving, you know, um, sometimes you make mistakes. You know, your friends, they're like selling drugs, they're doing all these things and they're not starving you're trying to play by the rules and follow the law and you're starving it's like this doesn't make sense yes and then so you have you make mistakes you bump your head and which I did and I got into some trouble trying to um, pick houses when I was like 16 um, and then I got arrested and then I went to juvenile hall and then I was talking to the guy across from me I was like sir literally I was just trying to feed my family and he was like I understand you know, because I didn't have a record or anything. He was like, does this help? Did this help? And I was like, no. He's like, you, did you did you help your mom or did you hurt your mom by doing this? And I was like, I, I hurt my mom. And so, and I, I didn't want to be anything compared to my father, you know. And sitting in there, looking around, doing some introspection, I was like, they were right. 
right? Is this the path that I'm destined to go on, or do I need to step in and make a change, right? And so around 15, 16, I, de- I decided I got to find a different way because this way really does lead. It's one thing to say death in jail, like on the news or something, but when you're looking down the fork in the road and you see death and you see jail, you have to figure something else out. Yeah. Well, your options are limited, you know, and I imagine, you know, here you are, you're, um, you're a child, you know, you're, you're trying to do your homework or you're trying to help out your mom and you're surrounded by a lot of negative forces mm-hmm. and it's easy just to get sucked into that yeah. and then just to repeat the pattern of those around you. Yeah, it's almost, it's an inevitable not to. If you don't, that's kind of the, that is the anomaly, right? Right. Because the safest place to navigate, way to navigate college is like to join a fraternity, right? It's, you're automatically put into social gatherings. You have friends instantly and you're protected. Same way with the street life. The safest way to navigate is to gain. It's contrary to popular belief. You have immediate friends. Yes. Social gatherings. Yes. Not. And when you don't, you are left alone by yourself and subject to violence from all said parties yeah. around. Yeah. Police, gangs, um, hate crimes, all of that that I felt, you know. So the fortitude to rise above it, I was, why do I deserve to live like this? I didn't do anything wrong. It's not nothing that I did to be here. It's not my fault my mom, none of them have bank accounts, right? It's not my fault that my mom's almost died three times, right? It's not my fault. So why do I deserve this? I don't. But no one kind of everyone felt like oh you're there so it's probably what you deserve you know it's kind of like almost as if it's a sentence being passed down well know? as a child you know it, it's it's a lottery ticket right mm-hmm. it, you know i'm i'm born to a family you're born to into a family you know our situations are different but when you're a kid you can't be held accountable for you know the circumstances that you're in but they will hold you accountable. Oh, they will. Yeah. Children, your kids are the meanest, you know. They'll hold you accountable. They'll tease you. They'll they'll beat on you. They'll jump you. They'll, uh, they'll harass you just because you're living situation. And then adults will just treat you so... Being a kid, like from 7 to 12 was some of the most scariest times that I'm sure a homeless kid's face because you don't really know what's going on. You're figuring out. You know you're hungry. You know you're dirty. You know something's different from you and other people, but you can't really figure it out. And right. when you go into middle right. school, you start to understand your place in the world that you sit on the underside of capitalism because homelessness is under the poverty line. You have the poverty line yeah. and then you go even further then you have homelessness. Right. And that's how I grew up. So I, I had to get to the poverty. I had to become poor. So I, mean, <laughs> yeah, like, that, you know, I understand. So looking up is like, it all, it's, all, it's daunting, right? Like, oh, there's, yeah. there, how can I possibly rise above this, you know? And it wasn't for like my mom and I say the grace of God, I probably couldn't have, you know, because I felt like everyone was against me, you know? Tell me more about your mom. Mm-hmm. And um, her her story, and um, I know she was ill for part of the time while yeah. you were homeless. Mm-hmm. Well, she was ill for the majority of the time. That's kind of what made us homeless in the first place. Because um, she was thriving, she was trying to thrive. Like, and my mom went through her own circumstances. Um, that many women, you go through these Me Too movements, all this. My mom went through all these things that many women are subject to, right? And then she was homeless with us for 10 years. So I, I really feel my mom, she has my heart, you know, because she suffered a lot. And she had everything from, you know, diabetes to like real health issues, which she needed surgery for. She had five surgeries, um, lost too much blood in two of them, flatlined in one of them. And then I remember one time we were on the bus 
and um, we have nowhere to go. And the bus driver like, you know, it's the last stop. You know, well, he's like, we're coming up to the last stop. Can we just ride it? My mom had just got out the hospital, right? And so it's crazy because she still had the bandages on, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but we're homeless at the time. We're not in shelters, but we still had to get off the bus. But he kicked us off a little bit earlier because her bandages that started leaking through. So you could see like the blood and the smell and it was stinging up the whole bus. So then they kicked us off the bus. Now we're just sitting at the bus stop. And that's like kind of, that's where we stayed that night. So when I think about my mom and kind of everything she went through and all the sacrifices she made to kind of propel her kids for it, you know, it almost breaks my heart, you know, because on multiple occasions, she's almost died, you know, and I feel like that she sacrificed everything to give us a better opportunity. I mean, she not monetarily wise, but here, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, and I think that's what she taught us morals and she taught us values. So, how old were you on that that incident on the bus when your mother had just had surgery? I was probably 14, 14. Wow. So you're 14 years old. Your mom has had surgery. She's struggling to provide for you the best mm-hmm. she can, but now she's disabled, mm-hmm. and. And now there's a condition after the surgery. Mm-hmm. What did you feel like at that time? Do you feel like you had to rescue your mom? Yeah. Yeah. It talks about, you know, being a man with a man quote unquote stands for. And as a man, you know, there's no father figures around us. There's no heroes around us. Right. Mm-hmm. And the older people that you see in the community, the only way they'll help you is through criminal activities. And honestly, when you talk about criminal activities amongst them, it's, it's not within the same context. Like it's a it's a means to an end, right? When they sell drugs, when they do that stuff, it's like I'm feeding my family. I'm not a bad person. I'm feeding my family. Right. But you look at it anywhere else, like this is a drug dealer, it's a criminal, right? And right. understanding that it's like I can't really go that way. And so it's like, what can I do to feed my family? What can I do to help my mom get a situation because she's been six since I was seven, right? You know, I've seen her health decline so many times and I remember one time we were in the shelter and her and a guy that we met, we all became, our family became close as we should get because of you, anything can happen in that world and they were both real sick and we was wondering what was going to happen mm-hmm. and he ended up dying and mom didn't and it was just kind of the split of how fast the ambulance could get there right and it's like when you know that these are real possibilities every day, and his kids were just removed and, re- and their spot replaced and when you know this is a real possibility it scares you right well, yeah. and so when you're 14 and this is happening it terrifies you but you try to numb yourself to what's going on because if you stop moving all that's behind is destruction and chaos right so you got to kind of numb yourself and try to pick up where my mom left off which I so I started working at 14 got my first job at SeaWorld wow mm-hmm. at 14 mm-hmm. um it's just amazing. Um, it, tell me, tell me about the job at SeaWorld. What did you do? Uh, uh, SeaWorld, uh, uh, it's a it's it's a cool place, but I didn't like working there. I worked in the arcade, and you know um, they don't let you sit down. You gotta stand up the whole time, and then people are treating you so mean, right? You know, it's like for no reason, right? They're degrading you. They're um, talking down on you, being condescending, condescending, and you're like, I'm literally just doing my job. Do you want these tickets or not? And it, and yeah. it's like such a, it was such a 
it was just a tough environment for a young kid to do. And I had to do extra steps to get a work permit to be allowed to get this Because I was going to say, 14 is young to yeah, work. I, do, I, was, I need to work. That's why I told the counselor, I look, I'm, you you know I'm in these shelters. Yeah. Like, I need to work or yeah. like, what am I going to do? Right. And so um, so I got a special work permit. I was able to work just to be treated badly. I had to, I had to drop take two hours on the bus to get there right and panhandle to get the money to get on the bus and there's no lunch because I didn't get a paycheck yet so I'm still starving as I'm working and then the people the customers are just treating me so bad and then I gotta take two hours just to come all the way back to the shelter and I'm still hungry and I miss dinner and that's just kind of how it was for a while I can you, you were talking about that you know before where you know why did this happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? Mm-hmm. And you you can easily fall, go down on that trap of just self-pity. Right. And then then life just steamrolls you, right? Yeah. If yeah. you don't really come up and take control of your situation. Yeah. But it's unfair. Mm-hmm. Life is unfair in so many life ways. Um, it's the hand you were dealt. Mm-hmm. But you were able to climb out, which yeah. makes your story just so unbelievable. Yeah, I, I try to tell the kids that the everyone has struggle, everyone has obstacles, but that's not the story. The story is overcoming those obstacles. I mean, I've seen, I, I like, I, I was homeless, but there are millions of people that that are homeless that are going to be homeless, that continue to be homeless with all kinds of stories and stuff or whatnot. And it's like, are you sitting there, indulged in self pity, crying and? Saying like why me and holding your head down and not doing anything about it or are you going to accept life for what it is sometimes it's not going to be fair but right. what are you going to do about it right, right. because it's you're, you're the driving force of your life and all these kids are pointing fingers at everybody except themselves it's not fair it's not fair no it's not fair it's not no what else you get what I'm saying what, yeah. what's after that right, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what you have to kind of understand you have to make it as fair as you can right and I've always believed that education is key to upward mobility and so to start educating yourself and it'll open a lot more doors for you in different capacities right it could be a vocational school it could be military it could be whatever uh, for you to your university, whatever is you know relative for you, but it'll open pathways for you, right? And that was my way out of that situation was to study while you know maybe not go out or not hang out with my friends and kind of take this serious and kind of change my life because high school kids, especially when they're going through it, you're running out of time. And when yeah. you're 18, all those programs shut down for That's you, right. right? Foster care, you age out. Homelessness, there wasn't really nothing in the first place. Now you're just a homeless adult. And the homeless kid and the homeless adult is two different things, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, as for me, I, I just wanted to use education that kind of helped me break down some barriers that plagued my family for generations because nobody had a traditional high school diploma, right? No one um, had a college diploma, right? All these things are kind of unsaid of, right? So can you imagine a uh, 15, 16-year-old homeless kid, you know, jeans too big, shirt too bad, shirt too big, um, scrawny, you can see my ribs talking about I think I'm going to go to college, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, well, for them, it's probably an impossibility. It's not even on the radar. Right. Right? So, I would... You must have had some guidance from teachers or counselors that looked at you and said, college is a possibility for you and helped you realize that 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 could be a new reality. I can't say no. I can't say so. Really? Yeah, I can't say so. So, this was all from within. 
yeah. uh, from within, from my mom, yeah, uh, from my sister. Cause my sister, she was, um, she was trailblazing the, the, the first. I think she got accepted to San Diego State, um, which really showed me oh, maybe we could do it. Or oh, she couldn't persist through it because you can't just take a homeless kid and drop him in a four year university with <laughs> health issues and say graduate. <laughs> yeah, right, it's, it's hard enough as it is, yeah. right? Um, but no, actually, everyone tried to deter me from it until I started doing it myself. And then I ran into like reality changes at like my senior year in high school or whatnot, um, who really helped some opportunities as well. But until up until that point, there was like no one waving my flag saying, you can do it. And wow. it, it crushed me. That's what he told me the opposite. You can't do it. What are you doing? Like, yeah. And some people try to graduate me early. And I'm like, for what? what am I, I can't even go into the military. What am I going to do? Not our problem. You know, a friend of mine, he, he would always talk about, like, the, the, the guys in the neighborhood are like crabs. You know, it's like if you're in a glass and you're a crab and you're trying to climb out, like they're the always pulling yeah. you back down, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and so did you feel that, like, from other homeless people, maybe your friends in school, maybe even some of the the negative influences that were around you? When you were saying, I'm going to go to college, they're like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a pipe dream. Not from adult other homeless people it's, it was a really close knit community it's a close they all homeless people they know each other in well, those they watch areas. each other's back right, right. I mean yeah. it's, it's a cohort it's a group it's community yeah. uh, but for like some of my friends didn't understand my choices right when it's like you know if you do sell this or you do this you'll get all this money you won't be in a situation I'm like, that's against the law and it's all <laughs> kind of other problems and so I had to deal with that social aspect of it which a lot of people kind of disregard the social component of adolescence but it's like the majority it's a big part well, of it's it huge. You know, it's huge yeah, it's yeah. huge and so you get teased right or when you try to buy clothes or you buy, like I had some Stefan Marberries called uh, Starberries yeah. and um, they were like eight ninety nine dollars Stephen Berries uh, which was a, a store in downtown Horn Plaza at the time mm-hmm. and uh, I bought my own pair of shoes and I was so like happy about it well, yeah. and it, I, they, I, I thought they looked nice you know they yeah. looked a little fly Yeah. Um, and so when people found out like, the price of the shoes and like how much um or where I got it from, then they start clowning you and teasing uh, you, and now you gotta take them off, and, uh, and, and it's, it's tough. It, it, it is it's tough. And Kids can be brutal, brutal. Kids are some of the meanest people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they are. Like, I agree. Uh, and, and some of that harassment mostly came from kids. When harassment came from adults, it really shocked me because uh, aren't you supposed to be helping me get yeah. through this, right? Yeah. And so, to your point earlier, no, no one stepped in and said, "I believe that you can do well, it." Well, they were taking your 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 essay. That was supposed mm. to be double space type, and crumpling up and throwing the trash. When, um, yeah, you're right. I remember when I was in college, from excuse me, when I was in high school, college wasn't on my radar mm. at all until my tenth grade. My geometry teacher mm-hmm. really made a big deal about going to college, uh-huh. and at that point, I realized that could be a possibility. Right, right. So there were people in my life that told me that there here's an opportunity here's a way to climb up a couple of steps on the ladder right right, right. but you weren't getting any of that i didn't know i actually got kicked out of one school for trying to take, take my academic my academic career a little bit more serious right um it was, the school at the time wasn't like the the best school at the time and it, you know it's like you got one i think i was a junior at the time and you had ninth through 12th grade all in one room learning ninth grade material and it's like i need to take the sat like i took my sat without a calculator i didn't have a pencil i just showed up right and so 
it, 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 it was crazy, you know, and I'm arguing with counselors like I need to take these grades. I mean, these courses to make me A through G competitive. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Why do you even know what A through G means? And like, you know, they're, so, they're saying that to you. Right, yeah, like so, you shouldn't know about A yeah, through G. What are you talking about? I know the yeah. problem when I used, um, uh, where, 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 where was it? Uh, henceforth I use henceforth in, in an essay and I got an F on the essay and they talk about I plagiarized because when you speak you don't use that uh, you speak in colloquialism basically yeah. and so you don't really you don't talk like that are you supposed to talk like that in an essay right you know mm-hmm. especially as in your adolescence right yeah and so I, I realized that the standard was set that low for me that I can use a fairly decent word in uh, an essay, right, without plagiarizing. I'm yeah, like, they think you're cheating. Like, yeah. Is that? And that wasn't just me. They were doing it to all the kids, you know. So, and, and they wonder why kids have low self-esteem and yeah. low confidence because yeah. we, we beat on them and yeah. berate them and tell them they can't yeah. do it. You know? Right. It's, it sucks. Yeah, it totally sucks. And, you know, I, I did a podcast earlier on believing in yourself. Right. <laughs> you know, because that's so important. Uh-huh. And, and, it, and it's a struggle as an individual to find that within yourself, especially what you've been through, mm-hmm. that you were able to believe in yourself. But then on top of it, everyone around you mm-hmm. doesn't believe in you. Right. They don't know you. Right. They don't really know you. Right, right. Okay. But they still want to beat you down. Yeah. And, and, and that's why so many people are caught in this trap mm-hmm. and it's and it's intergenerational. Right. Yeah. yeah. Passed on from Absolutely. grandparents to parents to kids. Hereditary, and, I will almost say, you know. Oh, man. Uh-huh. So. Um, in one of the speeches that I think it was in, to the San Diego Housing Authority, I saw it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. A great, great talk. <laughs> and you, and you um, you said you eventually went to San Diego High, uh-huh. and then you worked as a janitor at San Diego High. Yeah, yeah. Was that as a student or after you graduated? As a student, as a student. Yeah, it was one of the worst times. I've had some bad times, you know, that kind of just stick out, um, and that was one of them for sure. Um, because kids are cruel. Right, and so you're out of high school. Some people already know you're homeless, and they see you cleaning up with the janitorial crew. You know, in the, like had a muddy, big brown shirt, gloves, scraping up gum and trash, and yeah, cleaning classrooms. I have a new, I had a newfound respect for janitors, custodians. Actually, they were custodians. Right, right, right. right. Um, after that, right? Because the amount of work that they put in, into keeping a classroom or any facility clean and organized and, and to be treated like that and verbally abused, it's such because they're mentally sharp, you know? Just people just have different pathways, right? And, um, and some of them make fairly decent money, but the stigma around it, especially in high school as a kid doing it, it's almost social suicide. Well, because you're in front of your friends yeah. or, or your acquaintances or classmates. Right. They're already, you know, hammering you because you're not wearing clean clothes or whatever it is. Clean clothes. Or, your, or clothes, your strawberries, right. you know. <laughs> you know? And, and now suddenly they're seeing you on the janitorial crew. Right. But, you know, you are obviously just so unbelievably mentally tough to power through that. I mean, that's unbelievable. It was, and my life was on the line. So it was at a point where it was like, yeah, that sucks being teased, right? But, I mean, I need the money from this to survive. So I, I had a point I had to weigh it out. Your yeah. skin has to thicken up because it's like, we're in the car right now. My mom's feet or ankles about this big, right? It's like, we don't have no any food. We don't have anything. All I have is custodial job. And so I'm being humiliated every day doing this. But I know at the end of the day, 
I'll be helping my mom get some medicine. I'll be able to buy some food, wash the clothes, do that stuff. And so that's the goal setting. That's what kind of kept me and got me through it. You know, took it day by day with what short term goals with a long term vision. And I knew that eventually this hard work will get me in a better situation. So you're getting very little help from the adults at your school. You're, the the cities are trying to put you on a Greyhound bus and send <laughs> you out of town. Yeah. Um, you are getting uh, harassed by, you know, your 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 classmates, your adolescents <laughs> yeah. that are just brutal. Yeah. Okay. And you're work you're working a job that really a high school student shouldn't be working. Right. Okay. Yeah. And um and yet you keep powering through. And then I remember you said that you earned enough money that mm-hmm. you were able to get an apartment for you and your mom. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the happiest times of my life. I mean, we didn't have any furniture, we didn't have cable, we didn't have um anything except the keys right um but that was good enough because we we had a place we could call our own right and so doing that pain is like seeing your hard work coming to fruition you know manifested to one of your goals and i know that and before i know that before i can focus on just school or just focus on being a kid i just become just a kid right and that's just getting off the streets yeah and there was no i understood early there wasn't a hero coming to lift us up right because right. everybody sits there and waits for a miracle especially in poverty right yeah. oh, i'm gonna hit the lottery or something's going to come along and take me out of situation and when that never happens you know they either you know you know rebuke their religion or you know blame everybody else instead of taking it upon themselves to get up and move and make it happen, right? And and good things will happen along the way. But if you just sit there and wait for it to happen, it'll never happen. No, it won't. And, and yeah. I mean, I applaud you for that. And it's not easy. Um, but you serve as a great example and inspiration for a lot of people. <laughs> you know, I mean, so tell me about um, the process of you. Okay, you're in high school. Mm-hmm. You, you've been working as a as a as a custodian as a um and also at SeaWorld prior to that yeah. you got enough money to help your mom who needed health care mm-hmm. and you got a place to live mm-hmm. but then now you're suddenly talking about going to college yeah so talk talk to me through that process well uh it, it, it was funny because when i first brought it up to everybody everybody's like kind of oh, okay right you know and i saying i wasn't i was stupid and not saying that um, it was more so like the odds of you make of, of you doing that. You know how are you going to pay for it? And then you have to understand how how, how am I going to pay for this? Right? Understand the whole financial aid or financial world. Like yeah, yeah. I understand all of that. Right? And so yeah. to sift through all, it, it it was very challenging. But I always felt that if I had a stable home, I would get like just straight A's all through high school. And so I had a final finally had a chance to prove that because um, my senior year was the only year. Um, that had stable housing mm-hmm. um, and so and I was able to get straight A's all through I got a B in art can't draw at all <laughs> it's just not, not at all it's okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for the I got straight A's you know and then when I, I'm racking up A's and people are starting to take me a little bit more serious yeah, now yeah, I'm like yeah, oh well, you yeah. know I'm able to you know E I'm starting to gain a little bit more weight and stuff like that and so now it became a um, and I had wrote an essay actually um to I had a case manager at the time who helped me get the uh the custodial job and 
they they had a like a, it was through the higher youth program so it was like summer and it was like right before summer and into the summer so like the last couple of months of high school and going into like maybe one to two months into the summer um where uh people in the community will hire youth um nominal 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 income but you know something um and so i wrote an essay to the my case manager telling what I was able to do with these funds, you know, I was able to, you know, buy quarters and buy lunch and ultimately move us into an apartment. And then she submitted it to an essay contest, which it won. Yeah. And so I was able I'll to bet. do a speech on the USS Midway. And then I, things, I was be able to meet some people. Things kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. Because I'm entering my senior year and I'm stable and I'm getting A's and stuff. Then people started taking me a little bit more serious. I got nominated as student of the month, like never before in my life, right? And that's so, awesome. And then people, everybody took credit for it, and so it, and that's another part of what I, what I see going on is that you, they they tell you you can't do it, and if you do it, they're like, yeah, we did it for them. And, and all they want to take credit for yeah, your yeah, accomplishments. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Oh. And I give credit where credit is due, though. You know, like my tutors, not tutors, but um, volunteers at Rally Changers who helped me through the college applications and all that stuff. Those are the people you want to highlight and you want to see them. Not some, like, teacher in the back of the room who kicked you out of school two years ago talking about... Yeah, yeah, and and then that principal, you know, who had had no relationship with you, right, right. He's patting himself on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. That's that's not that's not right. So you went to UCLA. Yeah, yeah. Right on. So tell (laughs) tell me about that that process and how it became UCLA. Well, I, I only wanted to go to San Diego State, right? It was, like, right in my face. The only college I really knew about. Uh, plus, my sister already applied. And I knew yeah. they had a, that Guardian Scholars program where they help foster kids get into it. So I felt yeah. like I could weasel myself through yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah, right? yeah. Um, But then being at Reality Changers, talking to Chris, who was the uh, CEO at the time, and talking to Debbie, who was the, the, my volunteer at the time, and they was just saying... The worst they can tell you is no. Cause I was like, why would I apply anywhere else? You know, I'm a home. I, I was homeless my whole life. Yeah. They're not going to take a, a kid like me. Just to frankly be honest, I wasn't trying to shade myself. But I was seeing the caliber of students that was going. You know, sons of millionaires, sons of billionaires. You know, yeah, all these yeah. actresses and yeah, actors. Yeah, yeah. You got a homeless boy from San Diego talking about. Here's my application, right? And so I, I, I was felt discouraged by the whole process. It was a little bit too. The magnitude of it was a little bit too much for me. Yeah. Um, but they they pushed me to go and to apply and fill out the essays and to go through the whole hoopla, which yeah. is so time consuming, takes yeah. hours and yeah. hours. Um, but I, I just did to get, get them off my back because I'm going to go to San Diego State, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, okay, I'll uh, apply to UCLA. Yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, sure, sure. And, you know, I didn't even get into, I did not even get into San Diego State, you know? And so I'm glad I did apply to somewhere else, right? Because yeah. I would have been, I would, yeah. So that's why I tell kids, hey, apply to a billion colleges yes, and then right. make your decision. That's exactly that, right. right. Um, but to, when I got accepted, I thought it was a, you know, it was this accident, you know? Um, did you guys really know? Did you look at my transcripts? Did you, you know, read what I wrote? Like, how did this happen, right? Yeah. And then when they take you up there for admin weekends, which they call it to get a feel of the campus, yeah. and I was like, is this a mistake still, <laughs> you know? And then yeah. when you go there, it's like, it's very overwhelming. It's oh, like yeah, the yeah. academic, the academia, it's the rigor of it. it, 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 it it's, and it, it's not, I wasn't prepared for it. 
right? Because w- w- they were right. You, we didn't receive a proper education our whole life. He's like, you're missing school, especially homeless kids and foster care kids. You're missing big chunks of school. Yeah. And that through time, that affects you. Oh, no doubt. And what you learn. If anybody disagrees, is like, how can you? It's like, you're out of school. You're not learning what they're teaching, right? Yeah, yeah. And so some of it, I don't think, was tr- discouragement. Some people were just like, so there's some things you weren't taught, right? And well, I, I probably told that to myself. There were some things I just wasn't taught, right? So I'm mean, sitting in calculus at UCLA and it's looking like Greek in the summer school. I'm like, oh my God, I don't, I don't understand any of this, right? <laughs> right. And so I've seen a lot of kids drop out, right? I've seen a lot of kids coming from impoverished areas just quit, right? Or oh, get yeah. kicked out, right? Yeah, yeah. They have a standard, especially at a school like UCLA. Yeah. Um, and I had to kind of take my pride out of it. And get as much to them as I could, right? And try to close that educate that education gap, right? Because I, I acknowledge there was one. Some of this math is um, built off pre-existing knowledge, right? Yeah. And if you don't have that pre-existing knowledge, you can't go on with it. That's exactly right? right. So let me go into the tutoring. Let me not go to the social gatherings. Let me not go to the basketball games and, and football games for a little time until I've caught up. And once you caught up, life gets a lot better. But you cannot... You have to understand that if you need to catch up, you have to catch up. Or you, you how can you keep going if you don't catch up right. to the knowledge that you right. don't know, you know? Well, so that, that's what I had to do. That must have been something. I mean, for you, you're on the streets through your junior year of high school. Uh-huh. You finally get into a, a, a home for you and your mom. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly a year later... You're you're up in Westwood, yeah. You know, like Bel Air, you know, yeah, and all looking the- at that Fresh Prince of Bel Air house, <laughs> yeah. looking at the luscious, gre- the luscious greenest grass I've ever seen. But that air smelled different. Yeah, I mean, Diddy Reese cookies. And yeah. I'm like, what is going? I'm running into celebrities, Russell Westbrook, basketball player, different yeah. people. Yeah, on the campus. I'm like, well, where am I? <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, sorry, uh, Russell Westbrook who went to UCLA. Yeah, so yeah. he was there when you were there. Uh, yeah, I think he had just left by. I had met him my freshman year there. He had came to like the Bruin party or yeah. outside. He gave me a handshake. Oh, right on. Didn't yeah. know me from a can of paint. I was like, oh, cool, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. <laughs> nice. But um, yeah, man, it, 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 it was such a blessing to be there, right? Like the roads of UCLA are decorated, right? Oh, you know, yeah. It breaks. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. So many movies shot there. I just, I hadn't experienced anything like it. I had only been in impoverished areas my whole life to, to go from just poverty to affluence in like a day or two like yeah. a drive it yeah. was mind blowing yeah. I was like I, there's a better life out there that's what I want the kids to see like and go on those college tours and go on those college trips because life isn't because like say a lot of like affluent children they they can they see life already for what it for what it is and maybe kind of take it for granted right yeah and and kids who are impoverished they see a different side of life and don't know that there's another side to oh, it yeah. right yeah and to show them that like to yeah. show me that I was like wow I, I need to strive for something like this you so know? you really probably felt a little bit like a fish out of water oh a bit like, yeah small <laughs> fish in the, in the vast vast <laughs> now ocean. when you got to UCLA yeah. were people still beating you down yeah because then it, it, it changes right it, it, it's the same issues but it changes a little bit because now it's more so like oh what sport do you play right oh yeah and yeah. then it's more so uh, affirmative action right yeah and so and then they want to question your place being there right or like you because affirmative action 
you took my friend's spot. Yeah. Or well, meanwhile, they're, they're there because their dad must have paid right. a half a million bucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> right, yeah, right, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's, and you, you have to be tough and really kind of build your confidence and kind of put in the work. Because they say you got in, that's why you belong there. And a lot of people don't... It don't work for everybody, right? It's like, I'm struggling, right? Yeah. You have to go through the struggle, you yeah. know, and kind of work it out, you know? It's not just going to... Things won't just work itself out. You got, you have to work them out, you know? Yeah. And, and so once you do that and build confidence, like me when I was doing the tutoring and um, going to office hours and talking to professors and trying to really build my knowledge, and then I really felt the comfortability like I belong here. But it's not something that people can tell you. You have to tell yourself that, and you have to believe it. It has to come from within. Oh, unbelievable! Yeah, it has to come from within. Um, I mean, you you can't be looking around for you know people to lift you up. I mean, right. you'll take if the help if they offer yeah, it. Yeah. But really, it has to start from inside. Right. Yeah. And one of the scriptures that I like in I'm not like super crazy, but uh, I, I listen to a lot of different things, and I feel like or saying, I feel like right is right, and it's like God helps people who those who help themselves, right? And I feel like that same thing with people as well. It's like if you see someone trying and working and doing some things for themselves, you're more inclined to help. But if you see somebody like messing their life up, it's like that's right. They're gonna just throw my help down the drain anyway. That's right. Yes. And so, but a lot back to the homeless is like with homeless people, you don't know who is who, right? You don't know who's trying, and who's not. You don't know a family from a, a mentally ill person. When you're just looking at them, right? So a lot of people just reserve their hope, right? And so you have to really strive and kind of separate yourself from the pack to kind of get into some of those programs and, and kind of better your life and stuff. So you you, you went through UCLA and your degree is in political science. Uh, and African-American studies. And African-American studies. Mm-hmm. And so now you're applying your knowledge, your skills mm-hmm. to help homeless people today. Mm-hmm. So tell me about some of the projects you're working on. Too many, man. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, and so um, I run an organization called Creating First Impressions, um, and it is primarily designed to help homeless kids, foster care kids, all disadvantaged youth, um, and. That's kind of 50% of our program where we teach them communications intensive training where it helps them build confidence in themselves, uh, shake hands, kind of find their voice um, and all that professionalism. And then we teach them work readiness training, how to tie a tie or do's and don'ts in the workplace and how to yeah, navigate yeah, the workplace. That's important. And then yeah. try to connect them to employment. And then the other half is that we have a project called Project Hope where we just do homeless outreach, where we just go out to the community and feed the hungry and clothe those who are naked and kind of pass out blankets and toilets, daily essentials. Because sometimes, I know, especially when I was in I just want somebody to come by and here's a sandwich, dude. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Sometimes, like, yeah. you're hungry, feed them. And I know it's kind of a stigma. Some people don't even want you doing that, but it's like the human component of it they're hungry right those are more so adults so no we kind of we're tackling I realize if you tackle youth homelessness they won't grow up to be a homeless adults and you're just wiping off generations right right but then you have a pool who's already there who needs services and help and sometimes they just need to survive to win that day so we're just right. coming out there and, and just kind of giving them water and just resources you know they have questions about where things are or how to kind of get out of the situation and I know a lot of them that I'm starting to recognize more and more because I'm all up and down the city right yeah. um, so we're just really going out there and just tackling it on a holistic level from the youth to the adults that's already there so, you, so you're, you're helping people in need but at mm-hmm. the same time, you're helping 
um, you're helping teach them mm-hmm. and, and help them build their skills yeah. so that they can rise up on their own. Uh, and, and we're able to give some of them stipends for different things. You know, I try to write a lot of grants. Um, it takes so much time, right? But um, we're trying to teach them how to fish while giving them fish sticks, right? Right on. Because yeah. if you're if you just try to teach a hungry kid how to fish, he'll probably rob you for your fish, right? <laughs> and, and that's just kind of the truth. Is like, yeah, this is how you fish, and then but he's starving right there, you know. So yeah. here's a fish stick, chill, right? Here's yeah, another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Are you full? You good? You okay? No, this is how you go and catch fish. And then they'll grow and they'll learn. Now they're catching their own fish. And then they're not relying on me to get them a job. They're going out there with the proper skills to go be competitive and get a job themselves, right? And we're giving them resumes. We're giving them mock interviews, career panels, having people come in, financial literacy, talking to CPAs and people who done stocks or whatnot, just to give them, expose them to what they'll not what they won't get exposed to around their current environment yeah yeah right? yeah and I'm kind of just taking the lessons that I learned along the way and some of the influences of my life like interview mock interviews like yeah. some of that training now like this stuff works right let's just replicate it right all our programs are replicable and you don't need us to go out there and but I, I try to show people how if you go out there and engage with the homeless community this is probably the safest way to do that right oh, just yeah. kind of show people the ropes or what to do or whatnot. yeah and we're changing lives man it's really it's hard work but it's oh, really yeah. it's really good to see see the kids grow and then see the smiles when you give somebody some pizza. So it was like, that's awesome. It's cool. It's cool. Well, you know, you know, we're, we're here in Poway right now mm-hmm. and Poway, you know, generally a pretty affluent community, mm-hmm. but we have our own homeless issue here, mm-hmm. um, particularly along Poway road. Mm-hmm. And we'll see folks, you know, with their stuff, you know, right. and, and the homeless population has been growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started this podcast in September, mm-hmm. um, interviewing candidates for Poway mayor, Poway city council, and the right. issue of homelessness came up. Mm-hmm. And one of the candidates for mayor, her name is Emily Johnson. And she spoke up specifically about um, what creating first impressions does, mm-hmm. you know, providing that sort of a, a job center mm-hmm. where you can literally teach people how to do an interview, mm-hmm. how to tie a tie, right, right. okay, how to present themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, those are important skills. Those are really important skills. Um, but we guys, I try to teach people entrepreneurship as well because what we don't want, and that's a problem with a lot of colleges, we're, we're providing a lot of skills to a lot of people with no opportunity, without opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. It's like most people aren't lined up to hire a former, a former homeless person, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, you, if a, a homeless vet cleans himself up and I was homeless for the last 20 years or whatnot, he'll probably go down on the pile, right? So that's another problem that uh, I'm starting to see, especially with the older community, because people will give youth a chance, but especially for some of the older homeless communities, mm-hmm. like, it's hard to find those opportunities. Uh, but I know some of them who educate themselves and get that work readiness training mm-hmm. and then create their own flower business yes. or they create their own yeah. whatnot and, and that it's a lot easier that way. it's hard too but it's a lot easier that way I don't think there's a one size fits all I think that some people you could build them to employment some people you could build them up to entrepreneurship some people build them up to military it just depends on what's best for them Right. but I do think a center like that or any hub 
that's a safe space for the homeless community is very necessary, right? right. Not, not talking about those big tents they're putting up. I'm talking about like a functional hub designed to really engage the homeless community or anybody in need, right? Because mm-hmm. um, some people are just a paycheck away from being homeless, right? Well, yeah, a um, lot, yeah. And it, that's easier to fix too, though, right? You know, if you could just help them with their rent that month or give them some food and stop them from becoming homeless, that's an easier fix because once you're already there, it snowballs. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to this notion of entrepreneurship because this is something I talk about a lot on the, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I own a small business. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's been so empowering. You know, mm-hmm. I have control over my destiny <laughs> to a degree. <laughs> to a degree, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a little more than uh-huh. if I was working for the man in a corporation <laughs> situation, right? Yeah. But, um, but I would imagine that you know, first of all, we all know that there are there are roadblocks to entrepreneurs. Absolutely. You know, yeah. like you want to start a flower business, and you uh-huh. set up shop, and like, hey, do you have a permit, you for, a that? permit for that? Yeah. <laughs> so you're probably seeing a lot of that resistance too, right? Yeah, all the laws and the taxes and the and everything that goes into being an entrepreneur, it, it it's is it's hard, right? Yeah. It's hard, but the freedom that comes with that. Uh, is a blessing. Is a blessing because uh, you do have somewhat control of your own destiny, and you can kind of shape your schedule to how you want it. But it also gives you control. The more you put into it, the more you'll get out from it, and you don't have to wait for somebody to build you up the corporate ladder. The more you do it, or and businesses implode too. Don't get me wrong, you know. Oh, but yeah. it's the process until you get it going right, and right. one thing always leads to the next. But it's economic freedom and ownership oh, yeah. Yeah. that you're really getting. You know, you have yeah. the means of control. If you own the means of of production or whatnot, then you're set, right? But if you don't, you're just a, mach- a clog in a machine, and you already come from an impoverished background. You're going to become disillusioned. And you might regress. Yes, you know? that's right. And so that's why I talk, try to talk to kids, provide a little foresight, so you don't run into some of these problems. You know, I, I think it's great that you're teaching that because it's it's one thing to get a job, mm-hmm. all right, and then you talk about military as an option for some, and that's legit. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some, the, the notion of being an entrepreneur is probably completely foreign to them. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, what? What do you mean? And like, <clears throat> that, that's what other people do or I don't understand how it's done. So the fact that you can guide them down that path, they can come out the other side mm-hmm. more prosperous than they ever thought was imaginable. Yeah. You just have to be realistic with them. It's like, you don't wake up and just create a business, right? You have to go, you have to get your um, EIN or you have to yeah. get your DBA or you, just, you have to go yes, through this process right. and it that's costs right. money to file for, that, for these things. Too. And a lot of people, especially impoverished, don't have it, right? And we're talking about the average kid with a sense of uh, morality, not the drug dealers or people who yeah. get the dirty. We're talking about the kids who, who wanted, I had to do it the hard way. I, I couldn't cut corners, right? Yeah. It was hard, but I feel like you know I can take what I've earned, right? And so I'm talking to those kids who are willing to do it the hard way. It's it's the hard way, you know? And so when you run into the roadblocks, you are expecting that. I'm telling you up front, there's going to be roadblocks, That's obstacles. Right. My obstacles are different from your obstacles. Yes. But obstacle is an obstacle, right? You have to get through it on your way, you know? And so and I'm not just telling them. I'm constantly running into obstacles, right? You know, and they, they're seeing me kind of navigate and troubleshoot and kind of figure things out or figure out programming. Like, we'll be at this school. Or we'll be at that school. Or we'll be in this community. And it, this tax has 
is that or that tax is that or the IRS is saying this or the state is saying that. And yeah. You don't know all of this. And people in the community, no one's an entrepreneur around you, right? Yeah. You, and can, so, you can get steamrolled by that. You, you, you do get steamrolled yeah. by it, right? Yeah. So it's very challenging. But once they see like some of the end results, and I read one in a bit um uh, book to some of the kids it's an older book it's like it's 100 great minds 100 great businesses and the minds behind it mm-hmm. um, also read to him Art of the Start by like Guy Kawasaki or, oh, also yeah. read to him um, Stephen Covey's books and whatnot and have him check it out so they can kind of get an understanding of kind of what to expect how to navigate it's not just me saying like look these are all these different successful people right. and what they say you know and kind of form your own theory your own algorithm how to do it but everything is keeping away from criminality. You know, they're yes. getting so caught up in all of this, they're not hanging out with their buddies on the block. You know, that's so right. We're killing two bears with one stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know? you're filling their mind with opportunity, <laughs> mm-hmm. so the negatives don't, you know, grab them. The crabs don't pull them back down. Absolutely. So that's great that you present that as one of the numerous paths, mm-hmm. you know, to success. That's yeah, just fantastic. So tell me about your book, My Way Home. <laughs> yeah. I know you brought a copy of this, and this is what you was featured on the KUSI yeah, segment yeah, that I uh, saw you. So tell me about what led to writing the book, mm-hmm. and tell me a little bit about what the book is about. Oh, oh yeah. It was, it was, hey, why don't you hold it up, and we can show our viewers <laughs> oh, here. <yeah>. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shout out Widow Publishing. Mm-hmm. Um and everything that they've helped me help me with um, took a chance on me, and I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, I I was always interested in writing. I, I was, uh, wrote all my life. You know, I say writer, not author, because you need that kind of publication and kind of separate. At least that's what they told me when that's I was true. a writer. You, you know, do. Uh, I think they they tried to steam me with it. All oh, my author, oh, you've been published. Yeah. Oh no, and you're legit. You're right. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a it's a it's a great feeling. Um, but I always wrote and. I always knew I wanted to write a story, but I never knew I wanted to write my story. I was just homeless. It was a way for me to kind of pass the time and go into a world where I can control, right? So I wrote a lot of fiction and whatnot. And so when I got a little bit older and I was in college and I was doing some talks, uh, more and more talks, uh, Lay came up and said, you know, as you get, you want to, you should write this down because you'll be able to disseminate it to a lot more people than you can going and talking. Right. You want to write it down while it's still fresh, where you remember everything. That's right. Memory slips with age, right? Yes. And we're all getting older. Yes. Right? Yeah. Well, hey. <laughs> <laughs> you're a young man. I feel old, but. <laughs> well, you've been through a lot. <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah. And so I, I, I took a word for it. Now I think I was about my junior year in college and I really sat down behind my laptop. Laptop has tried to. I was working on two fiction stories. Um, no, like let me let me switch lens real quick and kind of write about myself for, uh, and kind of tell something. In in my book, I kind of highlight through my story the stories of other people going through what they're going through. I, I, I say that please understand my story is just one of millions and no shade to myself but again there's millions of homeless people out there and I try to show you the different types from the veterans to the uh, domestic violence victims to the um to the unaccompanied youth to there's so many components of what's going on people only see that vagabond cussing and swearing on the street and that's like 5% of the homeless yeah, population right makes sense and so I wrote it about like I wrote it it was probably about 30,000 words um 
this is about 80 something thousand words right so you kind of see the difference and so I started about 30 thousand words I'm like I'm done it's good I'm just sending it off get a publisher and, and start shaping it you know letting people read it or whatnot. and you know you gotta take your pride out of it right you know I tell you, so you gotta take your pride the way out because people who've never met you before are critiquing your work and so there's no they're not censoring anything right right and so there was and it's so many crazy things that happened right along this process because it took me from my junior year till about 2017 is when I got a deal so about 2013 and 2017 I was taking me that long figuring out kind of the process of writing query letters literary agents publishers um the mechanics and logistics of formatting a book, right? And telling the story. Yeah. And then I had one of my professors read it and she said, you're not supposed to have contractions in it, right? And so I went and took all my contractions out. So for when I did get my publisher, why aren't there any contractions in here? <laughs> and I was you know, banging my head against yeah. the desk. And then when you get your publishing deal, it takes about a year because you're going through rounds of edits, right? Yeah. That's why I say don't. I tell people don't really focus on getting too much edited before you get a publisher because they're going to re-edit it anyway, right? Right. right. You want to make it look nice and clean, and so and then you know I went through sixteen rounds of edits, right? You know, sixteen. Yeah. I don't think that's. I think that's small. I think especially like some of the bigger, more established um, authors have to go through a lot much, like so much more, and, and it, it it's so hard, man. It's so hard. It's the second things that. Uh, second hardest thing I had to do first I say beating homelessness second was writing about it and then in writing this book you know it it, it was hard for me hard for my mom hard for my sister you know calling each other talking about it kind of saying what do you remember how the events went or whatnot and uh and it, it, it was tough reliving reliving it right it's tough sharing it yeah, right? yeah. but I always wish there was a blueprint or how to survive homelessness when I was a kid, right? Where to go, how to get food, how to navigate yeah, these situations. Yeah, yeah. But there wasn't. Right. And so I decided to write one. So if anybody found themselves in a situation coming in from middle class or starting there, or however you ended up there, um, this is kind of how you would you sh- you could survive that. These are kind of some of the things that I did. These are some of my experiences and experiences of people that I've met and kind of how we maneuvered it around it and got out. It stayed though, and so and it's replicable, right? It's not like no say to myself again, but it's not like I, you know, moved the sun out the sky, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I worked hard and tried mm-hmm. to get, uh, try to get those rewards. And I'm like anybody, if you work hard and you troubleshoot and persevere through these obstacles and challenges, you'll come out ahead, you know. And of course, it'll be relative to you and your situation. But if you're homeless or in like a foster care kid in those situations, um, this is kind of how you. How you maneuver that when the world's against you? When you got, cause I remember what, there was a time I had it was in juvenile hall. I got out. I got kicked out of school. I got jumped and beat up, and I was like, my face was cracked. I was bleeding everywhere. And I was sitting at the um, at the park, and I was, I was crying. Well, yeah, I was like, there's no way I can win. This they're gonna kill me, you know, and and. Uh, you know, it's one of my lowest points, you know, like, and to take, that's in the book too, and to take a kid from that. And, and I, I've seen little kids sleeping in ditches, you know, like three and four with their mom snugged up in ditches. I, like, I've seen so much stuff at an early age, you know, sleeping on the, on the floor next to like old prostitutes or old hustlers and, at the end result of all those 
you know, drugs and, yeah. and crazy bad decisions. You know, I, yeah. I got to see the end result early. You end up where I started at. You know, if you just messed up in life, blew all your opportunity, uh, made all the bad decisions you could, you'd end up where I started at, homeless and in, in like a shelter on the floor somewhere yeah. or on the street, right? And so I knew that at an early age. And so those kids who got that card that was dealt, first thing I tell them, don't cry about it. You know, well, I mean, in the beginning when you're six, seven, eight, you're probably going to cry about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But when you get a little bit older and a little bit more control, don't cry about it. What are you going to do about it, right? right. You're going to blame your parents? You're going to blame circumstance? Or are you going to take action? You know, and that's kind of what I try to highlight in the story and kind of what it, what it was like to grow up, especially in San Diego. Because like, like you were saying, it's like San Diego is a destination for homeless people, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the weather's beautiful. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know? yeah. And um, although other cities might have better infrastructure to deal with it, but San Diego is just... You can literally sleep on the streets without getting snowed on, right? Oh, yeah. And some people are flocking here, you know, and how do you survive that, you know, and and all of that. So I try to highlight the good, the ups and the downs, and kind of, especially for the youth, you know, especially for the youth. I try to help everybody, but for the youth, I really think they it just, it wasn't fair, you know? And well, so yeah. well, let's not make this, I'm trying to get them a system of understanding. Yeah. You know, that and, and like you said, a blueprint on how to work your way out of it. Yeah. yeah. And share some success stories and things that you witnessed along the way. Right. And that's outstanding. So, uh, and yeah, you're a published author. <laughs> you know, you have credibility now, right? Yeah. And that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, you, it you it was it was crazy because I did the um, San Diego Liberty Stations Author Festival or what was it called not too long ago, mm-hmm. and uh, and one another author that was up there. She was like how she had like uh, amazing woman. Um, she got her, her literary agent or whatnot. Me and my literary agent we kind of split ways at the time because um, we didn't we kind of had I guess a different self perspective of what we wanted to do, and so I had to act as my own literary agent and kind of talk to publishers as a literary agent myself, and they they. Advise you against that. It's impossible. You'll never get a deal that way, or you never get a, a publication that way without a literary agent. And that's what she was saying up there, and I was like laughing. I like story of my life, right? You know, yeah. I had to go the extra hard way, yeah, right, do it myself. But it's I feel like I always had to do it the hard way, the hardest way. Yeah, but um, I, it's 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 it's, a, it's cool to share my experience with the younger generations. Um, so they might not have it as hard, you know? Well, it, yeah, I mean, they're, they're having it hard. Okay, <laughs> I mean, if you're homeless, it's hard. Mm-hmm. But you, yeah, you've went, there are a lot of easy ways you could, like you say, you could have cut corners. Right. Yeah. You know, um, but you never did. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you have been successful, mm-hmm. you serve as an example mm-hmm. to other people that not only can it be done, but you can show them the way. Right. You know, yeah. and, and that's just fantastic. Um so, you don't mind if we could switch gears a little. I, I'd like to talk about just the homelessness, mm-hmm. like from a current affairs, current right. news perspective. So, you know, homelessness is on the rise, mm-hmm. like in California. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing tent cities. We're seeing, like you say, people are coming to San Diego because it's such beautiful weather. What are your what's your perspective on why you think homelessness is on the rise and what do you think are some things that our community leaders can do to help relieve the, the problem? So can I get some tissue? Is that, is that, yeah, is, yeah. Well, that was, yeah, we'll get you some. Allergies be kind of crazy. Sorry about it. Well, the pollen count is insane right now. Yeah, I normally take Zyrtec right before I go anywhere, but it was kind of far. I wanted to hop on the road and, yeah. and get there. No worries. Um, 
We were, you know, we were just uh, driving through Lake Elsinore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The bloom is just insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, people are, like, going up into these canyons. You could see them. We were driving on the freeway. Yeah. It's unbelievable right there. Yeah, it's crazy. I was actually up there not too long ago, actually. One of my friends was up there, um, lives up there. But, yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. With me, I'm just my... That's a problem with... Um, being in nature or being around because I like the sights and aesthetically but I don't know if it likes me back (laughs) (laughs) no worries I love that no worries no not at all so so we were saying uh, um, why do you think homelessness is on the rise Mm -hmm. and what do you think our community leaders can do to help uh, solve the problem it's, that's an interesting question. I, I, the first half, uh, I'll address it first because people ask me, "Is it on the rise?" I'm like, that's interesting. Cause I'm, they say, "Have I have I seen as many homeless people now that I saw back then?" And it's like, kind of. It's like I'm not sure if it's on the rise or a bigger lights being put on it, right? Mm, okay, because it's like. To me, there was always a lot of homeless people. I saw them everywhere I went, you know, hordes, you know, hundreds of people, right? And it's not like everybody else is seeing it now, especially with the hepatitis outbreak and whatnot. But uh, it's hard for, for me to definitively, concretely say it's on the rise because I'm like, to me, it was always a lot. And a lot of people just didn't see it. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people, it's like tunnel vision, you know? Yeah, it's like, yeah, no, yeah. see no evil, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. it's interesting to say, but I, I think now a bigger light, we'll, we'll say, but we'll say it's increasing with the, and there's a brighter light on it as well, you know? And I think one light, it's hard, you know, rent's get, getting higher, especially in, in yeah, San Yeah, rent Diego. is really expensive. And yes, they're raising the minimum wage or whatnot, but they're also raising everything else too, right? It's inflation. So, like, yeah. they get paid more to pay the rent that's getting raised, right? So, it's like, it, it kind of, like, averages out, right? Yeah. And so, you cannot live. You cannot it's hard, especially when mid, like a lot of middle class people, it hurts the worst when they go homeless because like, you know what it's like when you're not homeless. You know what average life is like right. when you, you lose that job or your mom passes away or what, whatever strikes you and you're just there. It's like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, we are seeing an increase of that, you know, of people just losing their jobs or tragedy strike. And they're just dumbfounded and homeless, right? And those people have it the worst, I'd say. Because me, like, I don't, I don't know what it was like to not, right, <laughs> yeah, for a yeah, while. Yeah. And so I, I wasn't missing anything. And for those people, and it, it's people who were okay at first or coming to a homeless, like, this is not right, right? Who's Who still have the knowledge and know how to talk to like city council members about it like like, this is not cool and I think that's putting light on it too and then when the whole because those places man are unsanitary right and so you like so they're losing jobs that's what I say entrepreneurship like we're preparing them for what you know like for what jobs right and so it's like when those jobs you're losing or getting lost to technology or whatnot and mm-hmm. people are losing their homes and mm-hmm. or when that great housing crisis happened and all of a sudden all these people who were steady and normal middle class just tossed into the streets right right that's it's the economy of what's going on right yeah. I mean and, and it sucks dude and, and so I think that kind of helps to influx is there's not enough employment there's not enough money going around there's it, it, not enough resources right and then 
to prevent you from becoming homeless. Because if you can stop that, if you can bail out, they could have bailed out some of those mortgages like they did the auto industry or yeah. help those people yeah. out or whatever the case may be, the homeless problem wouldn't have gotten, um, that part of it wouldn't have gotten as bad. Because to see a regular citizens just drop because of like bad decisions of their bosses, right. or whatever, like that's, that's not fair either. Right. You know? Well, it's like almost any problem in life. If you can right. stop it before it happens. Proactivity, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but once you're in the, once you're deep in the hole, yeah. it's hard to climb out. Right. Yeah. Right. And then it becomes chronic. And then if you never was homeless before and it was all foreign to you, you don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. And, or you don't know how to navigate into government. Sorry. So what's the, uh, the next big thing that you're working on right now? Um, so... We're uh, like me personally. Just yeah. What personally, professionally? What are what do you? What's in your future? Uh, well, I'm writing another uh, another book, um, but it's a fictional book. Uh, I'm really like it's like Greek mythology ish. Okay. Um, and so uh, I, I, I'm, I'm I'm half geek, right? You know, like half athlete, half geek, right? Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, right on. Um, and so I, I do. I, I read a lot. I've read a lot. I continue to read a lot. And so I love the process of writing. So I'm working on one of those. You know, hopefully I could get like a you know Scholastic or something. Uh, and then we're trying to work on a social. Um, a social enterprise so we could the nonprofit so we could like generate some income and maybe start hiring kids ourselves or whatnot and kind of help them along that path and whatnot and so I'm getting ready to launch that we just launched a project Hope uh, maybe a month or two ago the Homeless Outreach which was was our next big project and that's doing great and uh, we implore it and encourage anyone who wants to go out in the community Go out there, check out our website, creatingfreshimpressions.org. We have some tips on kind of like how to do it um, when you go out there. If you want to help us, help us. Um, and then, um, yeah, man, we're just trying to, we we're working on what we call pro teams, which is a internship based. We're on some grants for where kids who go and address problems in their community um, and document the process into a nice video clip and uh, and share it with their peers or whatnot, you know, kind of like solution driven and maybe share it at city council meetings or whatnot. Right. We're trying to have impact or change uh, coming directly from the youth that's uh, affected by it the most. Um, and so that's kind of big on our radar, you know, just kind of launch all those and get them going. And, Do you sleep at night, man? I mean, you no, have so much no, energy. I don't. <laughs> I mean, and you've got so much going on. Uh, yeah. and, and just the energy to get you to where you've gotten. I mean, this is unbelievable. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I, where did, where's the time come from? I don't know. I never knew where the time came from, right? Like, how am I on the streets and doing my homework and, you know, running from gangs chasing me? You know, it's like, where? But you have to force the time, right? You know, you have to force it. There's not enough hours in the day. You right. Know? So you have to make it enough, you know. And uh, sacrifices be, are made, right? I mean, you can't always have as much fun that you want to, but I feel like I can have and enjoy the fruits of labor later, right? Later on in life. But you're uh-huh. choosing what's yeah. in your best interest. Yeah. 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 And, and I believe that, you know, this is the right pathway for yeah. me, right? Yeah. Um, and the kids, they're watching me, you know, and you could tell them one thing, but they're going to do what they see you do, right? Yeah. And so... I, I'm not a hypocrite I'm telling them entrepreneurship I'm telling them this and I'm telling them that you know they, if they don't see me doing it they're going to say he doesn't believe in it right you know, of course. he's not drinking what he's selling right right and so and by doing it this way um, 
they believe in themselves even though if that's weird to say you know because it's like to see me do something like, there's no difference from me and them right I'm just like an older version of them we sit in the same seats went to the same shelters we ate the same foods so when they see me go through it and they see me do things they're just looking at themselves an older version of themselves do it and so it's empowering for them and it's empowering for me to look into the future to, into the past I look at these kids and answering some of the questions that they have that I have that no one answered for me like what do you do how do you navigate this is how you do it that's how you navigate it you know yeah. <laughs> oh and they just not they're not bumping their heads as much and it's so it's it's very fulfilling to see so when you were young you said there was no hero coming right. in to save you yeah. but now you mm-hmm. are the hero for a lot of people i want to say hero because i'm not saving them i'm I, i'm a kind of i'm like i would say like a a mentor that like sensei because I'm giving them tools to save themselves because I'm not going to always be around but, them but to them they're, you're a hero probably maybe uh, yeah, you, oh, yeah you're <laughs> modest but no but seriously you're showing them a pathway to better life yeah right and that's just an, um, amazing that's so awesome I just wanted it's always saying be the change that you wish you saw right and I really internalized that you know um, because um, I saw an interview my dad did from prison and um, kind of talking about some of the things he didn't know how bad like I in particularly had it been a minority male homeless yeah in like San Diego a place generally of affluence right yeah um, and everything it had to deal with you know and those kids like they have to play a game of devil consciousness and cross the veil and code switch where, like, some people are just on the mainstream America side, some people are just on the urban side, right? And then yeah. kids who want to, impoverished kids who want better have to navigate both. Yeah, they have do. Have to be cool on both sides. That's intelligent right. Intelligent on both sides. That's right. And it's, these are contrasting forces, right? And so it's like, how do you navigate that, right? And, uh, well, I can tell you how to navigate it now because I had to navigate it, right? But yeah. going through it, I didn't know how. No, no way. And so now, now that I know how, like you said, I don't want any kid to go through some of the... If some things keep you up at night, you know, your anxiety goes crazy because in the moment, it's so terrifying. Like, looking at all the things you have to go through, it's like, and that's why a lot of kids don't. They're like, how can I do all of that? And I tell them, well, step by step, <laughs> you know, to, like one day at a time. And as long as you're working towards something every day, um, one step towards your goal every day, that's good enough, right? Uh, you don't have to save the world tomorrow, right? right. But you, you help somebody out tomorrow, you're one step towards that goal. That's why I tell the kids, you know, short, short, long-term and short-term goal setting, right? And kind of manage your expectations and know that it's all going to be challenging. Now, I kind of oversell the challenging part so when it's not as something that's not as hard, I'm like, yeah, because you were prepared for it. You yeah, know? you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, but, like they say, just, just be better than you were tomorrow, yesterday right? and just slowly ratchet up. Right. And win the day, you know, yeah. win the day. Get a win each, each day, It'll, it'll rack up, you know. That's terrific. And I see people like regular citizens wanting to help the community, and they all they get a little frustrated. It's like, where do I begin? I just can't dive in, or I want to help everybody or whatnot. Yeah. And I say, start in your own backyard, you know. Like you, especially say people in power. Yeah, you see. You have. We all have eyes, right? It's like when I was home, like I see you looking at me, right? You know, yeah, yeah. I see people walking around, like I see that, you know. Yeah. So the mirror works both ways. I see you, and you see me. And if you can help, if you're in a position to help, I believe that it is our moral responsibility as humans to help. 
mm-hmm. our fellow human. Mm-hmm. That's suffering. Why? Because me, a lot of people were like, thank God that's not that's not us, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and when it touches, and when you want to pick yourself up about it, you say, well, you at least you're not like we're not like these people, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's not the mentality that we need. If you see a, a fellow neighbor in need, help within your capacity. You get what I'm right. saying? Whatever that might be. You're not gonna, you might not have to be Mother Teresa or Father Joe, <laughs> but you can you know, set up a table and like, hey, here's some sandwiches or gift cards or clothes. You know, Have a conversation. How did you end up here? You know, I, I'd say definitely pick and choose, though. Um, you I have somebody, you know, cussing on the corner with knives waving around him. <laughs> Probably not him, but, you know, you see a yeah. mother with kids. Like, I did a homeless spoken word video called The Homeless. is on YouTube. And it's like a way to community kind of show people. You see, like, there's a, two people with dogs here, right? You know what I'm saying? You love animals, right? Give them some dog food or whatever, whatever you can that touches you because homelessness is not what people think. The more pe- people were homeless and didn't even know, right? Or it's just, it's the umbrella of homelessness is so complex that until you get a first-hand account of it, you're only going to know what they've told you about it, right? Right. Now, I encourage people to go and make your own make your own opinion, form your own opinion. Well, I think it makes a lot of sense to start in your own backyard because when you can address what's happening in your community, right. you're not only helping those individuals, right. but you're helping your community at large, yeah. which ultimately helps you. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. You know, so because it makes your community better. You, right. Everyone's thriving and, <laughs> and we're flourishing as a, as a group. Yeah. So I think that's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, the whole community uplifts. Right. And I also say kind of like pick and choose which component of homelessness that person will want to tackle. Right. One group better than home. One group, women uh, women who are victims of, of domestic violence or the mentally ill or youth homelessness. Yeah. A lot of people just, I'm going to hit every homeless person. There's so many different yeah. things. Focus. And another group will focus on this and share resources and whatnot because it's not like a group of, you know, wild animals that you have to hoard <laughs> everywhere. But that's how it's seen. That's how yeah. it looks, right? These are people like me and you who are just in a bad situation, right? And they don't want to be there. The mo- I promise you, the majority of the homeless people that you see do not want to be on the street starving and cold. Like, who would choose that, yeah, right? right. Um, and so talk to people. Resources go so far. This is where you can get this. This is where you can get your food, you know? I wouldn't necessarily go out there and just hand people, like, wads of cash, right? Because decision-making comes <laughs> yeah, into play, yeah. right? Yeah, you got to um, teach them to fish. Right, you got to teach yeah. them how to fish. Yeah. Um, but, you know, talk to them, you know? Hey, if you, I see you at this McDonald's every day, you know? Do you want to learn about jobs? Or maybe I have a job doing custodial work for you, yeah. you know? Yeah. You do got to start where you're at, you know, yeah. and be true about it. Yeah. And a lot of people won't pass up on those opportunities, but we're being ignored and we're pushing them away and, and further away. And, like, the homeless people in San Diego, downtown San Diego, are getting pushed from street to street to street to yeah. street. And they are. harassed and harassed. Yeah. Well, honestly, they just want a safe place to go. And in Poway or wherever, we can just create a safe place, a safe space for it. Might not have to be for to sleep at night or whatnot, but to come and wash up and and just not. It sucks not taking a shower, you know. It's, that's why they have so many mobile showers and clinics now because people don't want to be dirty. But where can they wash up at? I had to wash up in the library sometimes. You yeah, know? yeah. The library bathrooms stink because they're washing up in library bathrooms. They're spending their time in library bathrooms. Let's give them somewhere to go. Let's give them food. 
daily essentials. That's what we're trying to do, but we can't do it by ourselves, no. right? It, yeah, on the city level, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. There's a lot of aspects, a lot of angles to it. Yeah, a lot. Of, like you say, there's a, there's different categories. Uh-huh. There's different tiers of help, um, and that. But it also requires the the individual, the homeless person, to want to yeah. lift themselves up at the same time, and then ev- cooperatively, right. We can raise everyone up. Yeah, if someone says I'm cool, I'm cool right here on the streets. I don't need your resources. I don't want your help. No force them. Like, okay, just move to the next person. Yeah. You know, because we don't know what they're going through, right? Yeah. But you have to want it for yourself. That's why I say with the kids, it's going to cl- some kids it clicks right away. Some click, kids it clicks later down the line. It's always going to click eventually at different times. And me, when a kid wants it, then I'll go ahead and help. But until you want it for yourself or whatever makes that click in you, I'm just watching and waiting because I can't light that fire for you, right? You know, the best I could do is give you a hope and something to believe in. Right. Hopefully that opportunity or that mm-hmm. hope will have you light it for yourself, but it has to come from within That's right. that individual. With homeless people, foster care, whatever the situation is opportunity normally lights that flame for these kids right if they see an opportunity a feasible opportunity that can help better their lives normally that sparks interest right but without that like yeah you can tell say a kid wants to rap and you tell them well i can get you this job and as a dishwasher or something like mm-hmm. it's hard to do that me i could say i can get you this job as a dishwasher and i can show you where a studio is you know mm-hmm. like oh mm-hmm. well okay yeah, I can do that. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. Now they have something that's motivating them to pursue their dreams. And also that dishwasher job is giving them money and to help them with their lives and also help them pursue their dreams. And they might not be a rapper or actor or not as time progresses, but now that dishwasher job led to a cooking job, which led, now they're a culinary person. Now they're in a, You get what I'm saying? So, and that's what we're, we're trying to do. That is awesome. So you're just like you say you're 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 kind of helping them see the light, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. and you're giving them the pathways, and there's many paths to success, right? Um, but you're showing them um, that every one of those is achievable, yeah. And yeah. they look to you as an example, and a lot of your other <laughs> you know, a lot of your other cohorts that mm-hmm. are that are in the community helping out. So yeah. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> it is cool to see. Yeah, cool to see. Michael Golden, thank you very much for joining me here on the John Riley Project. It's a pleasure, man. It's this, a pleasure. This is this is fun. This is fun. I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed it. So um, I wish you well. Um, keep us posted on your activities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if there's anything else going on here in Poway with homelessness, can we reach out to you maybe yeah, for yeah. some advice? Maybe you can yeah. help us out. You can reach out to me directly um, through creatingfirstimpressions.org website. I um, also have my own personal author website called michaelgaldin.com. Um, that's a direct access to me. So only use it when you want to contact me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll put but, all those links in the show notes. Yeah, okay, so cool. they'll be on the iTunes show notes and in the YouTube nice. and everything else so people can find you. Yeah. Yeah. And reach out. And the biggest thing you can do for me is help your community. Um, you know, um, the biggest thing I'd ask anyone is just, you know, do do your share. However you feel, you know, if that means volunteering your time at the kitchen or volunteering your time in the mentorship program because I'm big on mentorships. Mm-hmm. Um, my first time introducing myself to a, a CEO talked to me revolutionize my my conceptual thinking right and so mentor kids and, and do your part that's the biggest thing anybody could do for me you know um, and you can also come out volunteer with Creative Fresh Impressions as well yeah you know? right on but help out <laughs> <laughs> thank you Michael it's been a pleasure uh, thanks I really appreciate it alright <laughs>